Welcome to the Biz Coach Show. In every episode, we share information and advice for small business owners, small business leaders, startups, and entrepreneurs preparing to launch their business. Our mission is to give entrepreneurs the edge they need to succeed. If you're in need of business coaching, head over to mybizcoaches.co and book your free coaching consultation today. The Biz Coach Show is presented by Eric Whitmoyer, the owner of My Biz Coaches, a business coach, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, as well as David Macon, a certified professional in talent development, growth expert, writer, and small business strategist. Our guest today is Erica Seagrave, founder and CEO of MJS Consultants. Erica is a serial entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience. She's a business coach and consultant. Her focus is on bringing value to small organizations so they have the time and financial freedom they desire. Learn more at SeagraveConsultants.com. Well, hi, Erica. It is great to have you with us today. How are you doing? I'm good, David. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, We've also got Eric. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, David. Thank you. Good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. Well, excited for our conversation today. I know we've got a lot of good uh, information that we're going to share with our audience. But before we get to that, uh, Erica, can you tell us a bit about your journey to where you are today? Absolutely. So I started my first business about 20 years ago. I am now in my third business. Uh, 2003 is when I started my first medical business. And I, I purposely knew that I was going to start the business, grow it and sell it. So after about 16 years, I sold that company But during that time, I also started a second medical business. And along my journey and path, I'm a clinician by trade. My previous companies, I was a neurophysiologist. So I had a clinical background and training, and that's what I went to school for. But along my journey, I saw that there was, I really enjoyed being in the business and working on the business and managing employees and how to show them value. And so This time around for my third business, which is MJS Consultants, I decided to just really focus on uh, it's industry agnostic. So any industry, but helping and focusing on small businesses and helping them grow and level up like being the person I wish I would have had 20 years ago. So that's what I'm doing right now. And that's my business journey. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Erica, for sharing that. Uh, I'm curious, uh, Eric, how did you first get connected with Erica? Uh, that's actually a good question. Now I'm trying to remember. Um, we connected through a networking, I think it was, uh, was it Alignable? Uh, it was actually Laura Wolmer. That's right. It was Laura. I and then we were both went to Accelerant. We were at an Accelerant yeah. event as well. So multiple connections there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I shouldn't remember it was Laura. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she recognized you were doing coaching. And we were in the same space. And she thought, mm-hmm. you know what, you guys probably, we had seemed to have a lot in common. So I think that that was one of the things that she definitely recognized as a connection. Uh, and certainly when we met, that was uh, that was very much the case. So I, a lot of things that you're doing, we've had similar experiences. And it, I would say even more importantly, I think there was a, a synergy and alignment in in just the way that we think and the way that we go about our coaching business, I, I believe, in, um, you know, uh, how we support our customer. You literally just said a moment ago, um, you were the, you were trying to be the person you wish you had in your previous businesses. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can absolutely appreciate that. That that was something that resonates with me as I engage with my clients. 
I try and think about what are the things that I wish somebody had helped me through or prepared me for. Um, and that's, I think that's probably one of the things that really resonates me, but with me about your, your approach, Erica. I, I completely agree. And in fact, when we met the first time, we will go back and we, it was a phone, I think a zoom conversation and only scheduled for an hour, but we ended up talking for about two hours and we probably could have talked longer. And then we even had a second meeting a few months later, which was also about two hours. I think it was, I think it's refreshing knowing that a, we're not trying to compete with one another, but B we've been in the, we've been in the same shoes and, and the experiences that we could share with one another. And it was, ref it's refreshing to know that, you know, even you and I have our own like business struggles and we were able to talk to one another and say, yeah, we share those commonalities, but we're really trying to do the same thing with our clients. So that was, it's very refreshing. Laura was spot on when she, thought we would you know have great synergy <laughs> yeah i agree with that 100 i love it well that's great and, and it's interesting right this is the biz coach show but we rarely have two business coaches on at the same time so really excited to see what we unpack and where the conversation goes uh today and kind of on that note erica can you give us a quick overview of mjs consultants Yes, MJS Consultants is really, um, it's a coaching and consulting business. So I really want to do both. I have two personas. One is that coaching one-on-one -on -one with the leader of the company decision maker. And I really enjoy doing those. Those are kind of one-offs. Um, some of my executives can sign up for multiple sessions within one month and that's fine. I'm really working with the leaders of the company and developing them as leaders because it helps the organization. But the second part of my business, which I really enjoy doing, and it's really one of my strengths is operations. So companies will hire me to come in and be kind of an interim or a fractional COO. That's kind of the new word that we all use is the fractional COO, because I can come into their business. I can look at things and help them determine what their strengths are, what are they doing right, or where are the holes? And let me help you fill those holes. And maybe it's for a six-month stint or a year stint. And then basically, I work myself out of a job until I move on to the next company. And I, and I enjoy doing that because I know that I've showed them value in that you know, 12 months time. And it allows me to come in and not kind of, you know, have an iron fist and say, you're doing this all wrong, but it's more like, I've been through what you've been through. I, I feel you, I see you and let me help you. So you don't have to spend the time and money resources that I had to. So those are the two types of clients that I work with. And, um, I really enjoy doing both. I love yeah. it. No, that makes sense. I was going to say, I think that, and there's something that Erica just said and, 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 um, it's an appreciation that I have um, for Erica, and and I share that same concept, which is the idea that that I've been in your shoes, I've I've walked your path, I know how hard it can be to do what you're doing right now. Um, either and, and in my particular case, I did it as a small business, but I also did it as a larger company, as an employee for a larger company. Um, you know, being a key executive in a big company is, that grew from a small company to a big company. I know all the pains that you're going through, so I can I, I can appreciate it. And more importantly, you know, you can open up to me. You can share with me your frustrations and your concerns, uh, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Client, because I, I've, I've been there. I've done that. Don't, don't, there's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to scare me, right? It's like I mm -hmm. literally had a client, uh, or not a client, but a, um, a partner uh, opportunity yesterday, a conversation, and that came up. She's a fractional CFO, and she mentioned, she's like, People are, are, you know, initially they're afraid to kind of share some of their financial data. And she's like, once I get over that, once I get them to understand that I'm not there to judge them, I'm there to help them. 
now I can, I can come in and I can actually, we can be real with one another and we can really work on a strategy to get past and, and improve the business as opposed to feeling like they're, they're afraid to share something with you. And I think that that's important because Erica, to your point, you had businesses that you grew and you built and having that personal experience of having done that gives you that ability, that, that, that credibility really to come alongside your client and help them um, with the circumstances they're dealing with, because it's not just, it's not just the tactical changes. Like you said, as a fractional COO, it's not the tactical things that you do. That's important. But what's equally important is understanding from a mindset and what some of the challenges that they're dealing with, um, trying to balance family obligations with a business that even if it's not necessarily struggling, it's just not performing it the way they, the way they'd like it to. And mm -hmm. how do they get to that point? Right. And so knowing that, psychologically what are they going through and being able to speak to that is also i think quite valuable absolutely and eric it's breaking down those barriers because like you just you said it you have to build that trust factor and we as coaches and consultants we're not laughing at them we're not you know shaking our right. hand at them and said you're doing that all wrong we have to set that precedent very clear and upfront and say it's okay i've literally had clients get very emotional and vulnerable um in, in front of me and and i said it's okay let that out let it go and i'm not here to beat you up i think you're doing a phenomenal job we've all been through this but you have to think of me as your right hand, as your sounding board and bounce ideas off of me. So you have, I'm just a kind of a silent partner in the background. If you want me to be seen, great in your company. If you don't, that's okay, but I'm here for you. And right. once you kind of peel that onion and get through those layers, then you can see them transform. But so much of it is just a trust factor because they are almost embarrassed. They don't want to share numbers. They don't want to share what they're doing because we, they think that we're there judging them. So clients, if you're, if anybody's watching this and you hear that yeah. perspective clients, please know that's not what we're doing. We get where you are. We've, there's nothing you can say that's going to make us, you know, is this going to scare us away? Nothing is going to surprise me. Nothing has surprised me yet. Yeah, that's I, I I appreciate you acknowledging saying that out loud because quite honestly, that's probably one of my biggest frustrations slash challenges is in, let, let I, I I I to your point, you have to earn the trust, right? I have to earn the respect that you can trust me and that you can say what you're going to say and share with me so that I can get it. But at the end of the day, the irony is it, that I have yet to engage with a client where their situation is so bad that I haven't had to deal with worse. <laughs> so, there's, there's very little that they're going to share with me that I haven't already literally been through. And it was so bad that it was just like, and it was my my circumstance that I had to deal with. Either I was cleaning up situations when it was when I was uh, an executive of that company or, if it went, you know, or other companies for that matter, or it was my own business, right? So, uh, you know, to your point, some of those owners are like, oh, I, I don't want to coach because I don't have to let my guard down. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to open my kimono and let people see that I haven't done this perfectly. <laughs> I got news for you. Nobody does it right. Mm -hmm. Everybody's just figuring it out. There is not a business owner out there today that is doing it all right. Mm -hmm. None of us do it right. It's, it's a series of taking chances, making mistakes, working through it, learning from it and adjusting it to it accordingly. And, and really the value, and in my opinion, and Eric, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this, but in my opinion, the value of a coach is I've been there and I can help you shortcut some of those, some of those challenges you're going to go through. I can help you, you know, navigate the landmine is my favorite phrase. Mm -hmm. I can show you where not to step, which is probably 
way more important than showing you where, to, you know, to, where, how to climb the ladder faster. I can show you where not to step so you don't blow yourself up on the landmine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And I even try to say things like, you know, first of all, I never try to compare despair. And I even tell them that when they're talking about the, the rough times they're going through. So right. when it's when it's opportune, it's opportune time for me, I will say I understand because here's why I understand. It's not because right. I read these books or I have multiple degrees in business and, and master's and PhD. It's because I've been through a business. I've started it. I grew it. I made a lot of mistakes. And I had to learn to pivot and move on. So let me help you take that trial and error away so that you don't have to do those things. And I think, again, once they start to trust you and see that you're a real person and not a cyber robot and that you two are human, have made lots of mistakes. They're like, OK, this person isn't here to judge me. They truly are here to help me. Right. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Erica, a few minutes ago, you, you said a word that, that resonated with me, which is uh, transform or transformation, right? That these business owners go through working with a coach. And that really fits our theme, which is the power of coaching. And I'm curious is, you know, you're both business coaches and I'm sure you, you've encountered some awesome coaches like yourselves. You've encountered some that are maybe not so good. What are some of the key qualities that distinguish an exceptional business coach from an average one? Hmm. I think an exceptional business coach is someone who has been in it. They've been in business. They've not only been in business, whether that's small, medium, micro, large corporates, you know, I, I don't care about that, but they've owned their own business and they've been successful. I think that is really important. If I'm a client and I'm looking for a consultant or a coach, that's someone I would feel comfortable talking to who has been through who's walked in my shoes, has been through what I've been through. So I think not only just owning a business, but they have had to have some success because clients want to hear that, right? They want to hear a little bit of your journey and your success. And so that's part one. Part two is I think you have to be, I think one of the things I'm very good at, and I always say this, is I kind of have a, a masculine approach with a feminine touch. And so I, I'm very transparent. I don't, you know, I'm not like, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm not that person. I come at you pretty hard, but I also um, really care for my clients. And so I listen to them. I do, a, I do more listening than talking. I interview them multiple times. I want to hear because at some point in those conversations, they are going to basically lay out all their holes and all their problems if I just let them talk long enough. And then I help build a roadmap. So then I come back to them and say, this is what I heard you say. Here are the gaps. I don't want to maybe let's capitalize on the things you're doing right. But let's work on those areas that you told me that are some of your challenges and weak points. So I really try hard to have compassion and, and care about my clients and just listen to them. That's kind of the part, two that I think makes a, a coach successful. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I'm curious, as you're thinking about, you know, different clients that you've worked with and, and different coaching strategies that you've used, um, has there been a notable transformation or a breakthrough with one of those clients that you want to share with our audience? I've had a couple. I've had a, um, I've worked with some clients that were, they were interested in hiring me to help them potentially sell their business. And I came in as an a COO for their company looked at everything. We looked at different policies, uh, you know, profit and loss statements, everything, hiring. And so we said, okay, here's what you're going to have to do if you want to sell your business. You need to grow it. 
because here's what you're making. Here's what you want to make from the acquisition. So now we have to really work hard the next year to help you grow. What we ended up determining was, and all along that journey, and I was meeting with the, co- the uh, owner of the company and coaching her, we were, I was also consulting. I, I really saw her transform as a leader and be a better employer to her employees. And that made me really proud because there were times she would come to me and say, this employee is doing this. I don't think that's right. And I would say, okay, time out. I'm going to be devil's advocate here. I agree with your employee. I think I think you might be a little bit of the problem here. Let's take a step back in a very you know, professional way. I said, let's take a step back and look at you. What could you have done? And thankfully, she was very receptive and said, you're right. I think I could have handled that different. And it completely changed the, the dynamics of her company. She ended up not wanting to sell and she was happy just with a little bit of growth and wanted to stay. But that year journey helped her realize that I don't want to sell. I want to stay exactly where I am. And that was a win for me because it's what she wanted to do. But I truly saw her company um, just elevate. And I saw her elevate as a as the owner of the company and the leader. I love that, right? Because a lot of times if you're, you know, it's a single owner business, they don't have somebody that can kind of, you know, have that check and balance or bounce ideas off of or even maybe a sense of accountability. So I love uh, kind of that aspect of that example. So thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one I'll give one other example about that is one of her employees um, had did something that she did not think was right. And so I said, do you have a policy in place for that? And she didn't. And I said, "Okay, let's develop a policy, some kind of employee manual, because it's, you know, inspect what you expect. You can't have this person do this if you're not telling them what your expectations are. So we also kind of worked on that. And I think it was very clear to both sides what the expectations were on, on because employees do want to deliver. They just need to know what you want them to do and they will perform for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that and it's a great point, Erica. I think that that's, that's something that's um, often lost. I, I, what I've experienced in 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 my coaching uh, scenarios has been often um, the owner uh, didn't have any formal training as an owner, uh, you know, as a as a as a leader in a, right. in some other organization. Like they grew up in the business or um, they started it quite young and and really kind of cut their teeth on their own and figured it out on their own. And so they didn't get any, um, like in my particular case, I worked for a company, helped grow that company and through that process developed better skill sets about leadership and and a lot of different other professional skill sets that were really valuable. And that pays me a great deal of, of um, uh, it, it helps me substantially in my career today. Uh, but I think that the, what I recognize with a lot of business owners that they started their business because they didn't want to work for corporate, right? So they mm-hmm. went out on their own, did their own thing, they got out there and then they realized, man, I don't know how to do this, right? And so to your point, the person who, the owner who who was struggling with the employee and, you know, it's like, Oh, actually, maybe I should have handled that differently. I should have done that a little bit better. Um, they're realizing because there's somebody there to kind of that check and balance, like you reference, and say, you know what, hey, maybe this is actually a bad perspective. And then um, the point, the second point you made was the fact that they recognized, oh, we don't have something in place. So, like I said earlier, most owners are just kind of figuring out as they go, right? Mm-hmm. And they're literally just kind of working through these scenarios. And some are better than others. Some have more experience than others. And at the end of the day, the reality is we can be our own worst enemies, uh, you know, just as, as entrepreneurs in itself. I want to grow and scale my business. I get so 
fixated on some component of, of growing my business, I lose sight of taking care of my people, right? Or I lose mm -hmm. sight of spending quality time with my family or whatever it might be. And so, you know, it's sometimes you need that objective perspective to kind of hold you accountable and say, hey, uh, I, I know what you're trying to do, but let me offer you some advice from somebody from the outside looking in. This is what it looks like to me. Maybe there's a missed opportunity. We can improve on this. And to your point, ideally, they're receptive to it. And they're, they're like, I appreciate that. And they grow from that because that's ultimately what we would really want to have happen. Uh, and I think that's often lost when it comes to coaching, because I don't believe, quite honestly, there's a lot of coaches out there. And I'm not saying that they're good or bad, but there are a lot of coaches um, have certain levels of experience and they're not quite ready for certain aspects of that type of coaching. Some are better experienced, you know, like so for somebody who's really good in marketing, um, you know, they're, they're going to come in, they're going to help with that, but then they really need to stay in their lane and not deviate into areas that they're not as comfortable with because then that ends up hurting the coaching brand or the concept of a coach. And, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, if there was, if there was something I hope, I'd hope we could improve on, that would be one of the biggest things. That's probably one of my passions at this point after doing this for almost four and a half years is helping people understand, you know, there's lots of people out there could be really great coaches. They just haven't completely developed themselves yet either. And so what we don't want is have owners have bad experiences with coaches are just not quite ready for certain aspects of what they're trying to do um, and then create a, a bad experience for a client. Absolutely, Eric. In fact, there's so many things to unpack there, what you said, but I can tell you firsthand, a lot of owners are really good at their trade, but they, mm -hmm. they don't, they, they may not know how to run the business or to manage people. I was one of those people. I was really good at my profession. I left a, a large academic institution and went off on my own because I was a really good clinician, but I had no idea how to manage people and the business and having like, you know, customer service and wearing all the hats. I had to learn as I went along and I wasn't a good boss. In fact, it wasn't until I, but I had to recognize that I wasn't a good manager because I expected everyone to work at the level that I was and they weren't right. going to do that because it wasn't right. their business. But I wasn't understanding why am I having turnover? Why is my business not succeeding? It should, I should be doing better than this. It wasn't until I read the book Traction by Gino Whitman and it completely changed the dynamics of me as a leader and my company. In fact, I purchased a copy for everyone on my team and I said, read this. And as of this day, we're completely rebranding the company. It's not just what Erica wants. I'm not going to come and beat my chest and, and act like a, you know, a dictator. It's going to be, what do you guys want to do? You're a part of this team. In fact, what do you think should go in our policies and procedures? And they were like, who is this lady? What happened to our old like, you know, boss and whoever she is, we love her. We want her to stick around. And at that moment, my business completely soared and it just mm. completely leveled up. But I had to I had to look back at myself and say, what's the common denominator in this formula? It's Erica. It's me. I'm the problem here. So until I changed that and I had to recognize it, which wasn't easy, by the way, because mm. typically there are two types of leaders. One, it's it's very harsh. And the other one is too generous. And they just like to give away too much and employees will take advantage of that. So it's finding that sweet spot right in the middle where you can, people are a little bit afraid and intimidated when you walk in a room, but you're still going to, you have a very kind heart and you're going to be good to your employees. And that is really hard to come by. It takes training. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not something that inherently comes natural, right? I mean, it's uh, you may be charismatic, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good leader. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be able to win people over, uh, but you know, through through salesmanship, for lack of a better term. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to hold people accountable when you have to, right? So to your point, it does take both sides of that, and it's a great perspective. I I, I appreciate your your recognition of owning the fact that that was a skill set you had to develop and something that held your business back from growing because there are so many business owners out there that are struggling with that exact same thing. And honestly, I probably would have had the same scenario had I not spent as many years building other people's companies first and learning that, you know, hey, I I had to improve my emotional intelligence. Um, David actually experienced a fair amount of my transformation over the, the, what, 18 years, 17 years we've known each other. Uh, when you first met me, David, I mean, you know, honestly, you can admit I, I was probably a little bit overbearing. Uh, I know I was. I know I was challenged to work with, and, and but I was open about it. I was. I recognized my style and my personality could be tough and difficult, and I'd share that with people and I'd say that's just how I am. Mm-hmm. Over the years, though, I did develop the ability to recognize I don't have to be. I can still get those standards that I want, but I don't have to be an ogre to do it. And mm-hmm. and I, I did become, I mean, David, you could correct me, but I, I, I feel like I became a better, softer approach with my leadership style uh, and probably got even better results as it, as it evolved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what, what people felt from that transition was, hey, it's okay to, to not be perfect, right? But as long as you're getting better. And I think sometimes being an imperfect leader initially, right? And then seeing that change can actually be more powerful. And I think that's what a lot of people who knew you and, and followed you kind of got from that and got better because of it. So absolutely. Right. Yeah. So Eric, I appreciate you acknowledging that because I think that that's as, as a coach today, I'm certain that that's what makes you a really great coach is your ability to recognize that because you lived through it, right? You processed it and you went through it. And I, and I think that that's, if there was one thing that most business owners would help them grow their business is to change that approach to your point, what you experienced, I would bet that if we went and we took all the owners that were struggling with their leadership style, very specifically, either they're over the top or they're too soft. It's one mm-hmm. or the other, generally speaking, right? I'm mean, going to say all of them, but a lot of them. And if you fix just that component in itself, I'll bet you the vast majority of those businesses, I would say three quarters of them would improve immediately right there. I completely agree. The company culture changes, the leader changes, the leader is happier. Everybody's happier. You're happier in your personal life. It just, it is uh, transformative. I think when that happens, but you're absolutely right. It takes a lot of work to recognize that and continue to keep working on it. There are times I still find myself, you know, falling down some, you know, uh, pigeonholes that I don't want to go down and some old habits that I have to also work on myself. I love following Gary Vaynerchuk because he he's in your face but he's also kind of a, and some people don't like him because of that, but he's, he's a good guy. He's a kind guy. And I just like the content that he puts out there. And he's really about being a good leader to his employees. So I like, I kind of like, even though I don't have a team right now, I'm working solo, but I work with a lot of uh, owners who do have it. They do have a team and I once right. did. So I really enjoy following him and, and reading his content. Awesome. I love it. Well, as you guys are, are, are talking here, right? I know every client, every business is, is unique, right? I, I mean, you know, even in the same industry, they can be very different based on how they run and the personalities and all those sorts of things. But I'm also sensing that um, within the clients you work with, there's common challenges that seem to kind of pop up over and over again. So Erica, I'm curious, what are maybe some of those common challenges? And typically, how do you work with a business owner to overcome them? The common challenges that I experience with my clients are efficiency, lack of efficiency, time management, 
which it results in spending time on things that aren't bringing in the money. And that's where I really help them identify because they don't even know they're doing it. And so when I ask them, tell me about your day to day, what's going on in your day? I really, I literally want to know when you wake up, what you're eating for breakfast. I'm very much into health and nutrition as well. Eric knows this, uh, but I believe it's wholeheartedly that it hel it's helped me be able to elevate in my career because I take care of my body with nutrition and hydration and, and fitness and all those things. So I ask my clients because I want to know a little bit about what their routine is. And oftentimes I uncover and discover that they're spending time on things that are wasting their time and they're not bringing in money. And so once I hear that, again, it's about a different approach and saying, what if you just tweak this or did that? I don't come at them, you know, too harsh and say, you're wasting your time. How is that bringing you money? I try to say it in a little bit of a softer approach. So I think that's one of the common themes that is a lot of attention deficit because of the distractions, a lot of um, non-streamlining, streamlining and consolidating things and just poor time management and spending things time on things that just do not matter. So that's what I really try to help them work on. That's what we have to work on straight away before we can really move on to the next step of the roadmap, which is, again, bringing in money. Let's spend less resources, time and money. And let's bring in the money. So let me help you do that. Everything else, I don't care about. That's all noise to me. Let me help you do these things. But those are the two, the biggest commonalities I see with my clients. That's great. You'd mentioned um, helping them take a different approach. And so I'm actually kind of curious, what is your approach when it comes to guiding entrepreneurs through challenging business situations? First, identifying them. I think they have to, identifying what they are what's getting in their way. I do a lot of different presentations and we talk about, I talk about time management and the four P's of time management. And I think we, you know, kind of talked about this before, but prioritizing, prioritizing what you need to do that day and then planning it out. What is your process for doing it? So it's the four P's and the fourth P is staying positive because if you don't wake up with a positive attitude and you, this is like negative, I don't want to do this. You're not going to, you're in your own way and you can't have the right mindset to have a successful day. So I talk about the four P's of time management and also just telling, almost giving my clients permission to say, if you get three things done a day, that's amazing. Everything else is bonus, but get three productive things done each day. So I kind of give them tools and tactics to take along their day when they start getting hung up on things and they're not able to get things done when they say, you know, I can't get all this stuff in, done in one day. I'm like, I'm sorry, we all have the same 24 hours. I don't feel sorry for you. It's probably because you're doing something that you don't need to be doing. So let's reel yourself back in, put the phone down, put things on your calendar, whatever that looks like for you. If you need my help, I'm happy to help you do those basic things. But really, I want to help you soar and get to the high level things. So let's get that stuff out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of, you know, from a coach perspective, you'd love it if everybody you worked with was really eager to make these changes and, you know, oh, Erica, that sounds great. I'm going to jump in and do it. Thanks so much. Right. Yes. But I know that's, that's probably not the reality and you get some resistance to change, maybe, uh, you know, whether that's adopting your recommendations or maybe, you know, a, a pattern in their business you want them to do differently. Uh, but how do you go about working with clients that struggle to adopt change? It's challenging. It's one of the most challenging things. <laughs> and Eric's laughing because he knows. And um, God bless those people because they need my help. After I leave clients for a first interview, I walk away and I even tell them, you need my help. You need me in your life. 
and this is what it's going to look like. So those people need my help so much, but it's, and, and just building those habits and continue to keep doing that and not being distracted by things. I think that's the challenging part because to be honest, that's challenging for me as a coach, because I'm a runner. I like to run. I like to do things. I mean, I mean like mentally, emotionally run. Like you tell me what the target is and I'm like, go get out of my way, give me instructions and then get out of my way. Those are the people I really enjoy working with. And I typically know that early on in our conversations, if they're runner, runners or if they're not, if they're not runners, I have to find out why they're not. And if they can conform to be a runner, to be at my level. So I think I try to identify that right away and know, is this a type of client that I, that I want to work with? And maybe they don't want to work with me because I'm going to push them and hold them accountable. And, and that's just, um, you know, it's what it's what I try to strive for and talk about very early on. But it's very it's very challenging, David. It's one of my biggest challenges. I can't make them do something they don't want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Eric, I see you've been holding back a, a laugh and a smile the whole time. So I'm sure you've got some <laughs> thoughts on this. I could go on for hours on this. Um, yeah, to Eric's point, the um, what's what's interesting about that this topic as a whole is one of my uh like erica i'm a very driven person david you know that um i think anybody who's watched any of our shows probably picked up on that um not only that i don't really tolerate excuses right that's always been a leadership principle of mine is that you know there's no such thing as excuses there's there's reasons and then there's excuses and most everything is, a, is an excuse of why we can't accomplish what we want to accomplish so um, we may have to reformulate how we go about it but the reality is anything is accomplishable if we decide we want to do it and uh, when I get into that mode, to Erica's point, you quickly identify somebody who's just not going to be, you know, they're not going to conform, they're not going to adapt, they're going to push, they're going to, uh, they're, what's, the, what's the, it's a, it's an, uh, it's a Tony Robbins um, analogy, he says, uh, be careful how, how hard you fight for your limitations, we just might let you keep them. It's <laughs> like, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to let you have your limitations. You know, I'll, I'll find somebody else who's more ambitious and driven um, and, and not to be rude or, in, or inconsiderate. But the reality is that some people are just wired that way and they can't get out of it. Um, I'd like to believe that I could help them. And I think that that's if there is a if there is a, a, a my if I would recognize my biggest. I want to say it's a failing, certainly not uh, uh, um, challenge or opportunity is that I believe I can fix anything. I truly, honestly believe I can fix anything. Uh, and I, I have not always fixed everything, but I do believe that with the right resources, the right amount of time, uh, I can fix anything. And the problem with that is, is that if I do sit down with a client and I see that in their heart, they're a good person, I'm like, I want to help you. Please mm -hmm. let me you and uh and that's my challenge is that uh you know it's uh, i remember as a child i pulled for the underdog and it's like i get into an engagement and i'm like oh you know it's like a, I, I feel like that I, I i can help you just let me help you just let me help you just let me help you. Yeah. but um yeah it's uh it, i i i probably need to say no more i know i need to say more as a matter of fact that's actually one of my commitments for 2024 is to say no more um and uh that's that's a that's an opportunity i have to work on yeah, I, I, can't I, it, I was going to say, I can't want it more than they do. And that's, that's the recognition point that I've come to. That's right. And that's, that's 
for us. And as coaches, we also are doing this because we're passionate about it and it, we it's, it's fun to us. And so when yeah. it becomes not fun, we have to identify that. And it's hard. It's almost like you have to divorce your clients and let them go because it's just not working out. Right. And so I think yeah. like you, Eric, my I have a coach as well, because I'm always trying to level up and be a better person, be a better professional and, and you know, personally wife, all, all those things. And so I've had to identify that I really need to put myself with runners. I've identified that I'm a runner. I need to work with runners. I will help people. But if I see that they're not running or they don't want to run, then we're going to have to have a second part, part two to that conversation and say that I think it's time for you to potentially go somewhere else. Right. Because I don't want them to get a bad you know, perception of a coach if they're not giving them what they want. So if that's what you want, then you should go find a coach that's going to work with you at that level. But it's yeah. not me. Yeah, because going back to the topic we discussed briefly, where I mentioned about you know uh, coaches maybe over uh, going outside of their lane and not being able to deliver. Worse yet, is the client that blames the coach for everything that's wrong because they weren't willing to do the work, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's probably equally bad. It's probably even worse than that. So mm -hmm. um, that that's something that uh, that I think about, and and I, I would say if if to add to that, that would be the idea that that that. If I, if I truly believe that I can fix every client, then my biggest challenge is I look at every scenario and say, no, this is fixable. We can do this. And then I try and sell them on why they, yes. they need to buy into the fact that we can fix it. And that's even worse yet on top of it. So it's a two way street. I, I feel I feel like you do that. You know, you can fix every client, but the client has to want to be fixed yep. and they have yep. to see that they are ready. They're in this. And one of the things I say to them is you're paying for this. This is not, this is not cheap. It's not inexpensive. You're paying for this. So why not lean into this? Right. right. And see what happens. Just see what happens at the end. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well said. It's interesting as you're talking about that. I'm, I'm thinking right on one hand, as you're working with a client, right, they're, they're coming to you for guidance, for recommendations, for advice. And, and you guys are, are great based on your, your different backgrounds and experience to be able to provide that, which is amazing. But I also know that there's a piece of coaching, which is allowing the client to self-discover for them to kind of figure out some things and self-identify problems. And, and sometimes that allows them to be more receptive to potential solutions, right? So I'm curious, um, really for both of you, how do you balance giving advice and guidance versus allowing the client to discover and self-assess? And, and how do you, you know, kind of keep those things in harmony? I mean, it's a really good question, David. It's a, it's a great point because we, our job is to coach them just like an, you know, an athlete where they already have the skill set there. We're just helping them bring it out in them. And I, I work really hard, although it is hard. Again, I'll say that's hard not to just be able to say, do this, but you have to help them discover because in the end, it's going to make them feel better and more accomplished if they're the ones that discovered it. And to be honest, there are often times where they are the ones that said it. I just put a new idea in their head and we just played with that a little bit. And, and they even came to me and said, thank God you just helped me, you know, make the decision. I said, no, you said this. I just offered some suggestions and put a little spin on it, but this was your idea. And that's all right. That's also promoting like leadership skills and confidence in that leader. So I find myself trying to do that a lot, but I have to sit on my hands. There are times I have to, especially if it's a, it's harder in person, but if it's a zoom, I have to just really try hard to sit back and let them self-discover some of these things with a little bit of nudge and say, what about this? What if you just did a little spin here and put that thought in their head 
but ultimately they're the ones that are making that decision. But it's definitely challenging. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Erica. Uh, Eric, any thoughts on that one? I see yeah, I would, I would just, I would say in a, a similar, uh, in my case, I, I developed that skill again as a sales manager over the years because um, thanks to my father, he quickly, he helped me identify at a relatively young age in my early leadership years that um, I can't do everything for everybody. And even though if I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be nearly as effective. And he challenged me. It was just a simple situation. I was managing, I think it was about a dozen stores at the time. And my phone was ringing off the hook and it was a, it was a Saturday and we were having a family outing and um, I'm spending time with the family and I'd keep stopping to grab my phone. We were actually playing basketball in the pool and I stopped, kept stopping to go answer my phone to do these. And my, my dad said to me, he said, um, he goes, I, I got a question for you. You're pretty busy. He goes, uh, and he, my dad's just really good like this. I, I This is a skill set I wish I could develop even better for my father. But he was like, I got a question for you. He says, yeah, I wonder how many of those questions that these people call and ask you about would be resolved if you just didn't answer them and let them figure it out from themselves. And I'm like, oh, no, dad, you don't understand. If I don't fix it, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be a mess. It'll be a disaster. I'll come back on Monday and have to clean up all this mess. And he says, oh, I, I think you'd be surprised. So he challenged me. And he made me not answer the phone for the rest of the afternoon. And there were 32 missed calls on a Saturday wow. afternoon. <laughs> and ironically, on Monday, when I had to pick up the pieces of everything that was left over, there was only two things I had to deal with. The vast majority of them, they already know what they needed to do. They just wanted confirmation or they just wanted. And, and the reality is, is I had over time, to Erica's point, already directed them into what they needed to do, where they get the answer from. I had just been enabling them by giving them the answers. Mm -hmm. So I learned at a young age that that was something that I was going to have to really kind of work to de develop. But I mean, that was so eye-opening, that simple experience, that one afternoon, uh, maybe a five-hour span of time, and then the, the, you know figuring out what happened on Monday. And I'm like, wow, uh, maybe my dad, maybe my dad's not a crazy old man. Uh, maybe he actually knows what he's talking about. And consequently, that carried over. And and I will say, in coaching, uh, that's paid me significant dividends. Is is um, I still have to be conscious of not telling my client when they ask me what they should do. Because they'll ask me, and as a consultant, I'm like, I should know, so I give the answer. But the reality is, to Erica's point, is we really need to lead them to come up with their own answers. Because when we do that, not only are, and I think the word that she said was, um, it's confirming for them. I don't think you used confirming, but it's the idea is, is that they're feeling better about their decisions, which is only helping them grow, uh, particularly in, in in owners where that's a, that's an opportunity. So, and I think, yeah. Eric, to your point, I think because we are coaches, we're expected to have the answers at a you know finger snap. And I've also tried hard because I'm not always sometimes I'm good on the spot with responding to things. It's just a knee jerk reaction. But there mm -hmm. are times I definitely need to think about something with they when my clients come to me and if I'm on a retainer, then I'm basically on speed dial. But I will I'm not afraid to tell them now, but it, it's it's come with time and wisdom and experience where I right. say, you know what, I need to think about this. I don't have an answer for you right now. It doesn't mean I won't or that I'm not a good coach or a consultant. It just means I need to think about all the moving parts. I need more information from you before I give you guidance. And one yep. of the things I've also learned to do, which I do this with my own two boys who are in college, when they come to me and want my advice, the two things, they're 24 and 22 now, but the two things I say to them, are you asking for my advice 
or do yeah. you just need me to lend an ear? Yeah. That's what I say to them. And I'm like, okay, I'm just lending an ear. I'm going to be very quiet and I'm going to lend you my ear and I'm just going to let you vent and get it all out to me. Yeah. And then when I learned that. Me, I'll give you my advice. <laughs> I learned that in, real, in my uh, developing my relationship with my wife. <laughs> But yeah, exact same concept, right? It's like, are you just venting? Am I just here to hear you out so that you can get this off your chest? Or are you looking for a solution? Because that's there's two different, I'm happy to do either, right? I'm, I'm here for that because part of the role of a coach is helping you you know, process some of the stuff that you're dealing with. And, and sometimes that is just venting a little bit about an employee you're frustrated with or some circumstance or a vendor that that that's done you wrong or whatever and get that out of your system so that we can now critically think about how do we resolve the situation right because it's sometimes mm -hmm. you just have to go through that cathartic process of releasing that frustration absolutely and being humble enough to say you know what i didn't i like your idea better if a client comes to me i have i work with a lot of startups and right now i'm a, a, this uh, interim coo of a startup and there are times we're, we're literally at such an infancy stage that we're bouncing ideas off of each other so i may say something to her and i'm like you know what retract abort i didn't like that idea i like your idea better let's go with that so it's also being humble enough and not you know thinking that you you can't let them you know have the there is no upper hand it's not a competition but you're really there to right. guide them Right. And just be humble enough to say, I don't even think about it now. I don't even think of, of it as being humble. I just say, you're right. I love it. I love that idea. Scratch mine. Let's go with yours. Right. And I think that that's an important component, too, because to your point, uh, you know, we've referenced it a few times is that sometimes I'm just there as a sounding board. So uh, some of my best sessions that I've really, really appreciated and enjoyed was when we were just doing brainstorming. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't always get to do that as a coach. So when a client pulls me in and says, look, as the coach, we want some feedback from you. Here's some ideas that we have. And, and um, you know, I'm trained to think in contingencies. I think of what are the things that could go wrong with that. I also love the idea of where can we go with that, right? Where, where could it potentially lead us? So I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm thinking, how can we go bigger? How can we do this? But I'm also thinking, how can we minimize the risk? How can we make sure that the downside isn't too big? Um, and so I'm trained to think that way. Sometimes I just want to get into the brainstorming session and just throw ideas out there and see what happens. And to your point, I don't it, don't care if it's my idea. I just want to hear really good ideas. And I like that. That's that's a that's a experience that I've come to enjoy over the years. That's right. We want to see them succeed. So whatever that looks like. Yep. Well, I appreciate both sharing your your uh, similar and yet nuanced approaches to how you work with your clients, uh, which is awesome. Uh, wonder if we could peel back a couple layers of the onion and maybe get a couple of uh, strategies that you use. Nothing proprietary, you know. I don't want to. I don't want to get too deep in your business, but any specific strategies that you guys employ with your clients to drive impactful results. Hmm. It's, it's actually a great question, David, because someone who, who came to me, one of my colleagues and peers I respect, asked me what if I had a system. And I think what he was looking for is, you know, what what system do you follow? Maybe it was it's, it's traction or something that, you know, what is your system? And I had to think about that for a minute because my system is interviewing my clients and determining what their needs are, what direction they want to go. And then I really help strategize knowing that type of client that they are and how I'm going to be able to work with them and what their needs are, because some of them are similar in what they want to achieve. But, you know, but they're different as well. 
And so I think for me, the strategy is really just taking time to listen, process everything, kind of going back in, in my quiet solitude of a space and thinking how I can help them build that roadmap. But it isn't just a cookie cutter system. And Eric can expand on this as well, maybe. But it certainly for me is not a cookie cutter business. I really want to hone in on my clients and see what their needs are and then even tell them, I think it'll take you this long to get there. And and not overshoot it. Like if you, you know, maybe doubling, tripling your income, if that's what you want. But if you come to me and say you want to 10 times it, I'm going to say that probably is not going to happen. But it's a very unique approach to each of my clients. The this, this strategy is that's how I would answer your question. Cool. No, I love it. Thanks. Eric, any any insights into your your process, secret sauce, you know, you want to share yeah. a, a couple ingredients of your recipe, anything like that? Well, yeah, David, you probably have you already have some leading insight into some of the ways that we do what we do. But the one of the first things that I would say is um, I've acknowledged one I very similar process that what Eric had just referenced. I will acknowledge that to grow and scale my business. Um, I did have to, and I, I continue to refine and determine a specific process. Um, not, not so much in it that's regimented in like first step is this next step is this next step is this, because I do believe that that is, um, incongruent to what, what, what a client needs. Uh, but I do believe from an efficiency perspective, uh, particularly as we're talking about multiple coaches and I'm talking about growing and developing people into coaches or making them better coaches, ideally is what my hope would be. Um, and we do that by bouncing ideas off of one another. And what I recognize is that there are some other coaches out there that actually have some unique styles or things that they lead with or um, insights that they have that they're able to pick up on. And I'm like, ooh, I could incorporate that into my style into into what I do, I should say more specifically. And, and so I have, um, and I, I would actually add to this. Uh, if I think through what, I, uh, the process that I'm going through right now, and I'm in a reflective phase, which is another piece, you know, we're four and a half years into the business and, and I'm starting to look at and say, okay, how do I make this duplicatable for lack of a better term? Mm -hmm. uh, because that's something that we want to do is grow and scale as coaches. Um, the, at, or specifically at my biz coaches. But when um, I think back to my time in the martial arts, what made me successful as a fighter, what made me successful in the martial arts as a whole was the fact that I took what I liked and what worked really well for me from different people and pulled that together and made that my own system. Um, so, and in the beginning, it was kind of an amorphous system. I didn't really have a structure or process, but I learned this style from Taekwondo and I learned this, this process, this activity, this type of kick from, from another style from this. And, and I kind of pulled it all together and made it mine, but I made it mine because it's what worked for me. And, and, and as I recognize other coaches to Erica's point, not everybody's going to follow that same process. So what I would like to do, I guess, in a long winded answer I'd like to get a little bit more structure to my process, um, but I don't want it to be so root, root, routine that are uh, routinized that, um, that I can't adapt to different clients. And that's where I think that um, I've looked at other systems and I'm not impressed with them because they don't adapt accordingly. So I think that um, there's a there's a balance between the two. I haven't quite found it yet, but we're working towards it. 
Thanks, Eric. And I think you shared that with me a little bit, Eric, when we met. And I liked your system, the platform that you showed me. I like kind of one of the systems that you use. And, and to be honest, I'm a systems person. In other words, I do well when I have systems. I follow rules well. If you just tell me what you want me to do, I'm going to follow those those really well. And so I'm, you know, I'm certainly not opposed to them. For me, it's just right now where I am in my business, it's more of a different approach. But I, um, I certainly appreciate other, you know, coaches and consultants who have systems in place. And I respect what they've learned and how they're implementing it in their business. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Well, thanks you both for the peek behind the curtain on that and kind of some of the things that um, you use and, and maybe are working on it as you continue to grow your businesses. Um, Erica, I'm, I'm curious, right, as you've been growing your, your thriving coaching business, um, you know, most of our audience is business owners, right? But we do also have coaches or aspiring coaches that do uh, tune into the show from time to time. And I'm curious, what advice would you give an aspiring business coach that wants to make a positive impact on the world of entrepreneurship? I would tell the coach to continue to keep learning, always be learning, always um, really improving yourself and your own skills and being self-aware. I think in order for us to be good coaches, like Eric and I have kind of talked about through this podcast, that we've also had to do some self-discovery. And we know things that were, are not our strengths that we're not good at, but we're also just saying, okay, we're not good at those and not putting them in a bucket or in a basket. We're going to try to work on those things so we can be a very well-rounded coach. I think that's one of the things that coaches need to understand is just to be well-rounded, understand yourself and what you need to work on, have some compassion. And again, spend more time listening than speaking, you know, really listen to your clients and what their needs are and have some compassion. I think there's also a component that you have to have a little tough love. It's just how I parent. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm kind of a tough, you know, for good cop, bad cop. I'm definitely bad cop when it comes to my husband and I. This is how I deliver, it's how I do business, Italian personally. But I'm also very generous and compassionate, too. So I deliver it with a soft approach. So and I think experience, if you I think it's really important for those coaches to have as much experience as possible. And you're only going to know how to work with different clients by being exposed to those different types of clients, including the ones who are non-compliant. They're still clients. We love them. We want to see them do well and succeed. But you're, you know, those people really help and challenge us to and help us grow as our own leaders in our businesses. Yeah, I love it. That's wonderful advice. Thanks, Erica. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess to kind of wrap things up here, um, you know, we, we've got, I'm sure, some small business owners that are watching this and, and they're thinking, you know, I wonder if I'd be a good fit to work with Erica. So maybe tell us a bit about kind of your ideal client, if you would. My ideal client is really small business. Um, I, I really think because I had a small business and once I sold my company, it was to a larger company. So I do have some corporate experience and there are a lot of holes and brokenness in corporations as well. But I, I really want to focus on um, I've kind of grown my business. It's kind of morphed over the past two years where it's basically been everything and every type of business including 10 years in business, which I'm happy to work with those folks who want to level up. But truly, I think where I've really enjoyed being in the space is startups. And it's challenging because a lot of startups can't quite, they don't have the finances to be able to afford potentially paying a, a coach or consultant. It would have been hard for me 20 some years ago for my first business. But had I known what I do now, I would have absolutely made room for that in my finances and my budget to have that person. So I think um, working with startups is very, very rewarding for me, just getting those folks off the ground and helping them um, 
take the path they need to pat the t- excuse me need to take instead of being all over the place and helping them dial in. But again, it's really it really is two personas coaching with that particular leader one on one. I can do that all day, all night in my sleep. The challenge, the challenging part for me, which I enjoy, is more of the consulting role where I really look at their business under a microscope and help them operationally operate lean to maximize their profits. Those are my two types of clients and and what I will continue to keep doing as a business owner. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share about MJS Consultants as we wrap up today? Um, you know, we're just hitting the year strong in 2024. Uh, we're on social media. I try to put posts on social media. I, I actually did take a little bit of a pause because I needed a break. You know, sometimes we can get a little overwhelmed by keeping up with all the algorithms and all the things. But I typically try to put good content out there and I'm very transparent. I give it business advice and coaching advice with different types of clients. So, um, you know, we're 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 open for business. We're accepting new clients. And um, I'm, again, I'm on social media at MJS Consultants. And then my website is SeagraveConsultants.com. Awesome. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Erica. Been great uh, hanging out with you and, and a lot of great advice. So thank you so much for that. Um, Eric, what's new at MyBiz Coaches as we wrap up today? Yeah, I appreciate that. So um, yeah, there's one thing that I would share is that... Uh, uh, 2024 is going to be a big year. Um, we have a, I have uh, committed to a very ambitious goal, uh, way bigger than I in initially intended to. Uh, but uh, we're going for a hundred coaches at the end of the year. So um, there's a lot of small businesses out there uh, that need help uh, to Erica's point. Um, and lots that we know that we can do to help them. Uh, one of the things that I think I've recognized is that uh, as I continue to do this role, one of uh, one of my opportunities is, you know, I, I can't split myself into two and, uh, and and help multiple clients. And I have found myself in a situation where I know I'm not always the uh, the the right flavor for every client. Uh, Erica kind of referenced, you know, she's she can be a little tough love, you know, and uh, I'm very similar in that regard. And some people don't appreciate that. Uh, some people do. And, and I think at the end of the day, most people would. Um, but I think what happens uh, there's an opportunity to kind of leverage that. And I think when, um, as you bring more people into the fold and help them understand how to be an effective coach, which is ultimately my goal here, then uh, we'll be able to help that many more businesses over time. And um, I, I'm, that's one of my things I'm passionate about doing, but uh, we're able to you know, work with anybody anywhere in the United States. We can actually work in Canada um, and many other countries for that matter. Uh, so we're as we're looking to grow and scale, my, my goal is to bring in 100 coaches this year and get them to a point uh, where they're effectively helping their clients grow and scale businesses. So that's my, my big goal for this 2024. That is a big goal, man. That's mm-hmm. way beyond New Year's resolution. So that's yeah, awesome. I, I, yeah, and it's out there on video now. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know you're, about you're that. Real we need to edit that out. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna follow up in a year and see if you hit it or not. How's that? <laughs> there you go. No, <laughs> we're gonna keep you accountable. So now yeah, you have right. two guys. Right. We're gonna right. hold you accountable to that. It's I expect that, Eric. I love it. <laughs> love it. Uh, well, as always, Eric, been great hanging out with you. And Erica, thanks so much for joining the Biz Coach Show. Uh, a lot of really good stuff, and uh, we hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our Thank pleasure. You. And for our audience, be sure to subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks.